Capital at colleges, universities, wherever solid thinking stands against the tides of insanity. There is one voice, a beacon, a light in the murkiness of political swill. From TNN, the Truth News Network, comes that voice, Dan Newman. We're going to end this week together, and we're going to end it sharing blockbuster news story after news story after news story. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of TNN Live. Can you believe we're almost, we're just a week away from ending the month of June? We're going to be in the dog days of summer in just a week from today. Wow, that doesn't seem possible. Well, it is. It's happening. And there are a lot of things that are happening with the calendar page turn. And we're going to get into those. You're going to hear from the president. You're going to hear from the attorney general. You're going to hear from Hunter Biden. You're going to hear from Senator Kennedy. Oh, my gosh. Just dozens and dozens and dozens of stories. And we struggle to pick the ones that you need to know about the most. But we've done the deed, and they're all here. And we're going to dive in and get right to it. But first, you're going to tap your toes and clap your hands and you may just dance around the kitchen. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love good music.
like, oh my God, but I'm just gonna shake it to the fella over there with the hella good hair. Won't you come on over, baby? We can shake, shake, shake. Swift, I like her too, at least some of her music. She wrote that song, Take It Off. And her version was a huge hit, but it was nothing near to that version you just heard, Shake It Off. Tim Akers and the Smoking Section. Let me tell you who they are. They're not a big-name group. They don't travel much. They're in Nashville, and those guys you heard doing those horns, and they're incredible. James Posey sent me a text said he loves the horns. That whole thing was arranged by a guy named Tim Akers. He's the number one music producer in Nashville. Everybody wants him to produce their stuff, and now you know why. Tim Akers in the smoking section. So you got a little music at the top of the show today, and that's probably the most pleasant thing you're going to hear today on this show because it is but ugly today. And for my friends up in Boston that are listening in right now, butt ugly is a Southern term, and you know exactly what it means. What we're going to talk about is truth, but it is. It is very ugly, and it starts with news that came out yesterday and confirms so many things. And instead of me telling you about this, I'm going to let you listen in to the public, the very first public announcement of some stuff that these whistleblowers turned over to the House, um, which one is it? It's not the Judiciary Committee. It's not the Oversight Committee. It's to the one that has control of all the money. I forget the name of the committee. But the head of that committee came out and did a public address yesterday, and instead of me tell you what's in it, listen to him. Listen to the facts. I want to I want to thank you all for coming. I can now confirm that we have credible whistleblower testimony alleging misconduct and government abuse that is resulting in preferential treatment for the president's son, Hunter Biden. Mr. Biden has been under investigation for tax crimes that include evading taxes on income from foreign sources. 
Only the Ways and Means Committee has the ability to report this information legally to the full House of Representatives and thereby make it known to the American public. Doing so is an important step in preventing future misconduct, encouraging other whistleblowers to come forward, and considering possible future legislative reforms. Not one, but two IRS employees are blowing the whistle with evidence that the federal government is not treating taxpayers equally when enforcing tax laws. The whistleblowers were working on an investigation into Hunter Biden that opened in November of 2018 as an offshoot of a separate corporate investigation by the IRS. Let me emphasize, this was an investigation in the ordinary course of work at the IRS. It was not ordered by any individual, any chairman, or any political entity. The testimony we released today shows the IRS recommended charges against Hunter Biden that included attempt to evade or defeat tax, a felony, fraud or false statements, a felony, and willful failure to file returns, supply information, or pay tax. These tax crimes cover an estimated 2.2 million in unreported tax on global income streams to Mr. Biden and his associates from Ukraine, Romania, and China, totaling 17.3 million from 2014 to 2019. Mr. Biden personally received $8.3 million. Whistleblowers detail foreign payments to Mr. Biden, including $664,000 from the Chinese company State Energy HK, a large diamond worth $80,000, and a Porsche worth $142,000. These payments are just a fraction of the total, but they provide insight into a world of wealth and influence that no ordinary American would recognize. And what plea deal did Mr. Biden just receive? A slap on the wrist for charges that have put other Americans behind bars. As I said, the federal government is not treating all taxpayers equally. Whistleblowers claim the Biden Department of Justice is intervening and overstepping when it comes to the investigation of the president's son. Despite what whistleblowers described as a clear-cut case for tax liability on these payments, IRS investigators say they found themselves hamstrung internally. The testimony we have just released details a lack of U.S. attorney independence, recurring unjustified delays, unusual actions outside the normal course of any investigation, a lack of transparency across the investigation and prosecution teams, and bullying and threats from the defense counsel. This was a campaign of delay, divulge, and deny. Whistleblowers say reoccurring unjustified delays pervaded the investigation, including an authenticating a WhatsApp message in which Hunter Biden demands payment from Chinese officials, noting that his father is in the room. The whistleblowers revealed IRS investigators were told by U.S. Attorney 
Leslie Wolf, that because the evidence would be found in the guest house of former Vice President Biden, quote, there is no way, close quotes, a search warrant for evidence would ever get approved. IRS whistleblowers told this committee that crucial information about the investigation was divulged to Hunter Biden's attorneys. For example, even an investigator, investigators had probable cause to search a Northern Virginia storage unit in which Hunter Biden had stored files. Attorneys for Biden were made aware prior to any search, providing them valuable time to remove any materials that could be useful evidence. Few Americans qualify for such soft glove treatment from federal investigators. Testimony shows that U.S. Attorney of Delaware David Weiss tried to bring charges in the District of Columbia around March of 2022 and was denied. Weiss sought special counsel status from the DOJ in the spring of 2022 and was once again denied. Weiss sought to bring charges in the Central District of California in the fall of 2022 and had that request denied in January of 2023. Yet U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland told Congress that Weiss had all the authority necessary to pursue the charges. Well, which is it? These whistleblowers report they have faced almost immediate retaliation. They say they tried multiple times to sound the alarm internally at the IRS and raise concerns with the Department of Justice prosecution team. Their concerns were not given fair consideration. One of the whistleblowers was passed over for a position when he was more qualified than the candidate selected by IRS leadership. And roadblocks. Roadblocks have a, appeared in the course of their other unrelated investigations. Now that they have testified to Congress, they have been removed from the investigation. These individuals are risking their careers and reputations to do the right thing, which is, which is to come to our committee, the only committee that can legally receive their testimony and share it with the House of Representatives. In closing, I'll repeat the three key findings from today's release of whistleblower testimony. Number one, the federal government is not treating taxpayers equally when enforcing tax laws. Number two, whistleblowers say that the Biden Department of Justice is intervening and overstepping when it comes to the investigation of the president's son. And number three, these whistleblowers have faced almost immediate retaliation. The scales of justice cannot be tipped in the favor of the wealthy and the politically connected. No one is above the law. No one is above the law. That's what we hear all the time. The Democrats shout that the loudest at Republicans when a Republican is caught up in some kind of controversy, especially when it's somebody in government. But you know what? There are two sets of shoes. And there's one set of shoes for Democrats. There's another for Republicans. And the Democrats determine which shoes the Republicans can wear. Or anybody that is not a Democrat, or even a Democrat that won't speak out against any kind of Republican push against the Democrat mantra. 
You just heard it from the horse's mouth. That is the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. Two whistleblowers came forward. Let me tell you about one of them. One of them is a criminal supervisory special agent. His name is Gary A. Shapley Jr. Now, he's a criminal supervisory special agent. That means he's the top at understanding, investigating, and finding criminal activity regarding tax matters. He said the Department of Justice has interfered in the effort to investigate Hunter Biden for his tax crimes. Did you hear the extent of those tax crimes? Forget about the fact that he had a double felony conviction that was not to be based on lying about his drug habits on a federal application to buy a gun. That's a felony. And then you just heard the story of three more felonies regarding the mishandling of tax stuff. We're talking about $17 million that came from Romania, Ukraine, and China came through Hunter Biden's hands into his businesses. Of that, $8 million was his. And so there's a tax liability that goes around it. You know that. Hunter was supposed to pay $2.2 million. Number one, he didn't even file the return. Number two, didn't even report that money came from a foreign entity or two or three came to his various business accounts, and he didn't file a tax return. Three more felonies. You're going to hear from a former attorney general in just a little bit that will tell you he's never seen anything like this happen. When people do those things, when people do those things, they go to jail. Merrick Garland, Attorney General, testified in front of the one of the House committees, I believe it was Judiciary Committee. You heard it. I played it that day on this show. You heard him say he had never, nor had the Department of Justice, interfered with any of the prosecutors who wanted to file charges against Hunter Biden or anybody affiliated with Hunter Biden. He said they had unfeathered, unfettered, the ability, unfettered ability to file charges in whatever state, whatever district they wanted to. And these whistleblowers testified. Weiss is one of these attorneys. He's come out and said, that was a lie. He tried to file charges against Hunter Biden three times in different venues and the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, Attorney General, would not let it be filed. Think about that. Five questions. We're going to ask you five questions. Was Joe Biden really in the room when Hunter pressured a Chinese investor to send money? You've heard about that. A phone call. A phone call. Hunter Biden's talking to one of those Chinese investors, and he tells him, My dad wants to know why the money hasn't been sent. And I'm paraphrasing it. 
and my dad's sitting right here. I'm in the room with my dad. He wants to know when we're going to get the money. President Biden's sitting in the room. How many times have you heard the president say that he has never discussed his family's business interest? But Shapley, that special agent, said this, We obtained a July 30th, 2017 WhatsApp message from Hunter Biden to Henry Zhao, where Hunter Biden wrote this, I'm sitting here with my father. We would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I'm sitting here waiting for the call with my father. That message, also the evidence, could have provided a basis for a search warrant of Joe Biden's home. But Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf blocked efforts to obtain one based on, this is what Leslie said, optics. It wouldn't look good. Shapley said the DOJ denied other efforts to investigate the Bidens. But Joe can still be asked whether he, in fact, was present or whether his son simply lied to extort a foreign investor. That's number one. Number two, did Merrick Garland block a request to appoint a special counsel in the Hunter case? Merrick Garland told Congress that U.S. Attorney David Weiss in Delaware had total freedom. When he was investigating Hunter Biden, he had total freedom if he wanted to take actions. And there was no involvement from the Department of Justice in Washington. However, Shapley told Congress that Garland rejected a request from Weiss to appoint a special counsel after the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia refused to prosecute Hunter Biden there. Remember, Garland told Congress, they have, these prosecutors have unfettered authority to file these cases in any venue they want. The Department of Justice will not intervene. He lied. Oh, wait a minute. He was under oath testifying before Congress. That's not just a lie. It's perjury. Hmm. From March 22nd to October 7th in 2022, I was under the impression that based on A.G. Garland's testimony before Congress and statements by U.S. Attorney Weiss and other prosecutors, that we're still deciding whether to charge 2014 and 2015 tax violations. However, I would later be told by U.S. Attorney Weiss that the D.C. U.S. Attorney would not allow U.S. Attorney Weiss to charge those in his district. This resulted in United States Attorney Weiss asking the special counsel authority from Maine DOJ to charge in the District of Columbia. I don't know if he asked before or after the Attorney General's April 26, 2022 statement, but Weiss said his request for that authority was denied and that he was told to follow 
Department of Justice's process. That process meant no charges would ever be brought in the District of Columbia, where the statute of limitations on the 24 and 15 charges would eventually expire. The years in question included foreign income from Burisma and a scheme to evade his income taxes through a partnership with a convicted felon, by the way. There were also other FARA, that's foreign agents, are supposed to register with the United States government. Hunter never did that. And Hunter was working for foreign governments. Garland needs to tell us why he denied a request for a special counsel if Weiss was indeed given a free reign, as the DOJ said. Number three, did Merrick Garland mislead Congress about Weiss's ability to file cases in any state? In March, Garland told the Senate that U.S. Attorney Weiss would be able to bring charges against Hunter, if necessary, outside of Delaware. But that did not happen. Shapley testified that Weiss had been denied the ability to bring charges in other jurisdictions, both in D.C. and in the Central District of California. Here's what he said, testified. Around this time, there began to be discussions of the fact that the remaining tax years, 2016, 17, 18, and 19, four years, needed to be brought in the Central District of California. There was no explanation why. After being declined in D.C. for 2014 and 15, that it took until mid-September of 2022 to present the case to the Central District of California Attorney's Office. Prosecutors said they presented the case to the Central District of California in mid-September. That happened to correspond with the confirmation of the President Biden appointee to the U.S. Attorney, Martin Estrada. The case agent and I asked to participate in that presentation, but it was denied. Garland will almost certainly be asked to explain the discrepancy between his testimony and that of Shapley. Number four, did the DOJ slow walk the Hunter Biden investigation to help Joe, the big guy? Shapley testified career officials at the DOJ deliberately stalled the investigation of Hunter's tax violations so that would hit the window before 2020 presidential election and therefore have an excuse not to ask, presumably to help Biden's chances of defeating Trump. Here's what he said, quote, Yet, after former Vice President Joe Biden became the presumptive Democrat nominee for president in early April of that year, 2020, career DOJ officials dragged their feet on the IRS taking these investigative steps. By June of that year, 2020, those same career officials were already delaying overt investigative actions. This was way before the typical 60 to 90 day period when DOJ would hysterically, historically stand down before an election. It was apparent that DOJ was purposely slow walking investigative actions in this matter. This is another example of the DOJ being politicized under Trump not to help him, but to hurt him. And number five, did the Department of Justice obstruct justice 
by tipping off the Bidens. Shapley, he testified, he was under oath now, that Assistant U.S. Attorney Wolf warned Hunter's attorneys about potential aspects of the inquiry. In one case, she allegedly tipped them off about a possible search of Hunter's business documents. This was on December 10th. This is the testimony, quote, On December 10th, 2020, the prosecutorial team met again to discuss the next steps. One piece of information that came out of the day of action was that Hunter vacated the Washington, D.C. office of Owasco. His documents all went into a storage unit in Northern Virginia. The IRS prepared an affidavit in support of a search warrant for the unit, but attorney, U.S. attorney, Wolf, once again objected. My special agent in charge and I scheduled a call with U.S. Attorney Weiss on December 14th just to talk about that specific issue. Attorney Weiss agreed that if the storage unit wasn't accessed for 30 days, we could execute a search warrant on it. No sooner had we gotten off the call than we heard Attorney Wolf had simply reached out to Hunter's defense counsel and told him about the storage unit, once again ruining our chance to get to evidence before it was destroyed, manipulated, or concealed. Wolf also apparently stopped prosecutors from asking a witness about the infamous email found on Hunter Biden's laptop that 10% of a joint venture with a Chinese government-linked company was to be held for the big guy. Weiss was in and out for the rest of the meeting, but it went downhill from there. We shared with prosecutors our outline to interview Hunter's associate, Rob Walker. Among other things, we wanted to ask Walker about an email that said, 10 held by H for the big guy. We had obvious questions like, who the heck was H? You would think that would be Hunter. Who the big guy was? Joe's called the big guy by pretty much everybody that has any affiliation with the Biden family syndicate. And why this percentage was to be held separately with the association of the big guy kept hidden. But U.S. Attorney Wolf interjected, said she did not want to ask about the big guy and stated she didn't want to ask questions about dad. When multiple people in the room spoke up an objective that we had to ask, she responded, there's no specific criminality to that line of questioning. In other words, don't you dare ask those questions. Shapley also said that a group of people very close to President Biden and Hunter Biden were tipped off by the FBI about being interviewed by investigators, meaning that most potential witnesses could not be interviewed. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, maybe too much already on this. A couple of other things we're going to note, but here's here's the, the only thing I think that is really important. Hunter Biden allegedly, and there's evidence, overwhelming evidence to prove it, that he committed three felony criminal acts regarding the income tax matter. Eight million dollars in income was never even reported. 
him personally. That was from the 17 million that came over from the Chinese and from Ukraine and from Romania. <laughs> 17 million, of which eight, little more than eight, was hunters. And he took the money. Four years, no tax returns, no report of the income. Now, we heard day before yesterday, Hunter, he cut, he cut a deal. Oh, my gosh. And he's such a troubled boy, and Daddy helped him, and he got his life turned around, yada, 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 yada. I even heard one liberal female, yeah, I know, I'm a sexist, female reporter actually has her show out in California, can't think, Leslie can't think of her name. And she explained away, you know, this whole thing going so light on Hunter because of a divergence program that's set up to help people who had drug problems. So, you know, that makes it clear. Listen, if you or I had not paid $2.2 million in personal income tax on over eight, eight, million dollars of income. What do you think would happen to us? Oh, then throw the other one in. He fraudulently presented a federal document to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, BT, BATC, BATF. They're the ones, those, uh, when you want to buy a new gun, they check you out the background. He lied on the form, said he had no drug problem. Felonies, all felonies. Now, this all hadn't been finalized. He's going before a judge at the end of July when they're supposedly going to get this taken care of. Do you think anything can prevent it from finishing up just this way? I don't know. I don't know. Now, who is this big Chinese player in this whole thing? His name is Henry Zhao, Z-H-A-O. He was influential in forming Harvest Fund Management. He was elected the chairman of the board of that company in November of 2017. As leader, Harvest has become one of China's leading asset management companies, serves more than 100 million investors. Zhao was also the chairman and Chinese Communist Party general secretary at the firm, that's according to Breitbart News Senior Contributor and Government Accountability Institute President Speed, uh, Peter Schweitzer. Emails show that Hunter played a very important role in brokering a joint venture between the Chinese firm named Bohai Harvest and Burnham. That company was owned by Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner. Archer is working with Republican House investigators probing the Biden family syndicate and their business ventures. There's a newly released screen capture from way back in July 30th of 2017 of a WhatsApp message from Hunter to Henry Zhao. You just heard all of that just a few minutes ago. A July 30th WhatsApp message from Hunter to Henry I'm sitting here with my father. We would like to understand why the commitment made has not 
been fulfilled. And he threatened Zhao because they hadn't sent the agreed to amount. And his daddy was wanting to know why it hadn't been sent. Text is just one of many cases in which Joe Biden was involved with his family's business, although Joe and his staff consistently have denied any participation. By the way, that guy you heard in that report a few minutes ago giving us all the goods, his name is Jason Smith. He's a Republican representative from Missouri, and he is also the House Ways and Means Committee chairperson. Incidentally, pictures on Hunter Biden's laptop, this stuff is all tying together, and every day, more and more news, more and more allegations are being confirmed as factual, and these are like layers of a puzzle that you're just piling over on top day after day after day. Pictures on Hunter's laptop show that he was at Joe's house on the day he sent that text to Zhao. That further dispels what the president has consistently said. I've never talked to Hunter about any of his business dealings. Hunter says in that WhatsApp text, I'm in the room with my father and my father wants to know. Hunter's at his father's house. (laughs) You just can't make this stuff up. The head of the House Oversight Committee, James Comer, yesterday he was on with Stuart Varney, Fox News business expert. Actually, it's Larry Kudlow. Sorry about that. And Comey, he just came right out and said it. This is organized crime activity. Organized crime activity. Think about that. Comer said that investigators were planning to trace suspected money to the Biden family from Ukrainian sources, calling it organized crime activity. He, along with Republican Senator Charles Grassley of Iowa, they wrote to the FBI back May 3rd, demanding the FBI produce a document that shows what a whistleblower said were details of an alleged criminal scheme involving a foreign national and then Vice President Biden. Then Comer, along with Democrat Representative Jamie Raskin of Maryland, who's the ranking member of the House Oversight Committee, they reviewed the unclassified document in June, and Comer reviewed additional documents Tuesday of this week. Here's what he said. My investigation is about following the money, so I would love to have those tapes, those 17 tapes that is reported that Ukrainian oligarch has The tapes are with Hunter and with Joe talking about money, 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 money. But nobody has the tapes except that Ukrainian oligarch. Comer said, I believe those tapes are real. I believe they exist. But even if they've been destroyed, the oligarch has been murdered or disappeared, whatever happened, as long as we follow the money, and we proved that there were, there were, you know, significant wire transfers. Because remember in the Form 
1023, it didn't say we sent a $5 million wire to the Bidens. It said the investigators would never find it because we sent it through so many different banks. Comer said, we hadn't gotten to the Ukrainian money yet. We're trying. Obviously, and the FBI form said this, that we went to great lengths. This is organized crime activity. They went to great lengths to hide their criminal activity. But Comer said, I believe in the end we'll be able to trace that money. Grassley, who I haven't seen him out speaking about this thing this week, he said the recordings of Joe Biden and Hunter related to a bribery allegation do exist, and he cited a review of an unclassified document known as that FD 23-1023 during a June 12 speech on the Senate floor. And then you, Romania is even in the middle of this. Comer said, this is a pattern we've seen in Romania. This is a pattern we've already uncovered in China where the foreign nationals send countless money wires that are laundered through shell companies the Bidens have created that then go down to Biden family members in their personal accounts. Every day, every single day, (laughs) we have one more One more confirmation that this stuff is real. This stuff is really happening. That ain't good for the Bidens. But you know what? It's not good for the American people. If it is proven that this president, not his son, but this president has been involved in this, it is one of the most egregious and most impeachable offenses committed by any president in U.S. history. Think about that. If you lived like I did through the Richard Nixon debacle, where what he did was he had people break into the Democrat National Committee's offices, that's what he did. And he didn't get impeached. He was given the option of resign as president or be impeached, this makes Richard Nixon look like literally an angel flying around in heaven. We've only just begun to find out the facts. Now, what do you think is going to happen? Who do you think will be implicated, if anybody, and for what? And will anybody pay a price for breaking all these laws and getting involved with the enemies of the United States, the Chinese and whoever else, but definitely the Chinese, who we were blackmailing, Hunter Biden, maybe his dad, but for sure Hunter Biden was blackmailing a Chinese oligarch who happened to be an official in the communist Chinese government for money. Somebody needs to pay a price for this, and it needs to happen immediately. 
Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Okay, get in the McDonald's. Ooh, Ooh can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Yeah, uh, can I get a... Uh, 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 go, Bubba, go! Uh, Hey, can I get a... Uh, Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're a pilgrim, please make a decision. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar. Or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion supply, limited time offer. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Deal with the experts. Scaffolding, rental, and setup. Installation of truck racks, Lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher. I know you know there are other things going on that are important, and we're not going to not report on any of those things because you need to know about some stuff. There's a whole lot more going on in our lives, even our political lives, than what we're hearing about every day now in the, the Biden family syndicate corruption. But there's other concerns that we need to talk about. Tucker Carlson came back out He comes out every few days now and gives us an offering of Tucker on Twitter. And he disclosed in a new episode of it yesterday why the media today hates Democrat presidential primary contender Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And you know they hate his guts. Carlson said Kennedy is hated even more than was Donald Trump for opposing vaccines and quoted the New York Times accusing Kennedy of shaking America's faith in science. Now, when I read this story, what captured me was that last sentence. He is hated for opposing vaccines and quoted the New York Times when they accused Kennedy of shaking America's faith in science. Imagine if you're an ordinary New York Times subscriber and you read that over coffee in your pre-war rent-controlled duplex on Columbus Avenue. You'd think Bobby Kennedy just declared war on the Enlightenment. This is Tucker talking. My fellow Americans, I have come to shake your faith in science. Join me as I drag our nation back to the medieval period. You'd all be appalled. And we would. 
He also mentioned the Los Angeles Times. They accused Kennedy of being a threat to democracy and added NPR's coverage savage Kennedy as a candidate and also not just a candidate but as a, as a human being. Tucker pointed to People magazine covering Kennedy's family's criticism of him. Carlson said the media's not bothered to cover the cause of autism surges, have they? Personally, in my life, I know of a bunch of kids that have various stages of autism. Nothing like I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I'm old. The Democrat candidate, who's the son of former Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy, remember he was assassinated when he was campaigning for president. He joined podcast host Joe Rogan's podcast last week, where he raised some concerns about this surge in children developing autism and this new wave of allergies. Tucker said the media, they're going after Kennedy over his willingness to notice the obvious and to ask questions. Here we go. They don't want us to know everything. We're not enlightened. We don't need to know as long as the ones that are enlightened and in power know that's all that matters. Kennedy asked a lot of questions like that. He notices things. He pays attention to the world around him, and he wonders why it's changing. And by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but Kennedy's an outdoor guy. He's a fly fisherman. He's interested in how nature works. He's curious. Not so long ago, these qualities were considered essential to the practice of science. Not so much anymore. All scientific discovery comes from observation, empiricism, patient watching, paying attention. Without the willingness to put aside the pre-assumptions and assess everything with honesty, the things you see and touch and smell, the changes taking place right in front of our face, you can't do science. You can't create art ether or journalism or theology. In other words, you can't just listen to the government and do exactly what the government says to do without asking questions and getting answers for yourself and believe that you're following science. You've got to be willing to notice the obvious. And when they tell you you're not allowed to notice the obvious, that should raise a concern for us. Tucker mentioned Rovin. Rogan offered Baylor College professor Peter Hotez hundred grand, hundred thousand dollars, if he would challenge Kennedy in a vaccine debate. Hotez has appeared on a bunch of different television programs to push back against anti-vaccine disinformation. So, according to British and U.S. intelligence, anybody who disagrees with Dr. Peter Hotez is a disloyal American working to destabilize our democracy and do so on behalf of who else but Vladimir Putin. (laughs) Now, by comparison, never in his life has Bobby Kennedy Jr. said anything half that demented. He hasn't. But keep in mind, 
Peter Hotes claims to have a valid medical license. He's allowed to treat patients. And by the way, let me point something out. What's the third highest cause of death that's officially listed now for deaths that happen in the U.S.? Not the first, not the second, but the third. You know what they call it? Just to make it benign so nobody really pays attention, it's called MD. MD. You know what MD stands for? Medical doctors. The third highest cause of death is malpractice treatment of patients that die. Third most highest call, cause of death, mistreatment by those practicing science. Tucker said Hotez will never debate Kennedy, but it doesn't matter. Kennedy's already won. He's more honest than Dr. Peter Hotez. That's obvious to anybody who pays attention. A new Economist poll shows that Kennedy's more popular and far less hated than either major party frontrunner. After almost 20 years of being quiet, Bobby Kennedy Jr. is finally being heard. And why wouldn't he be? What we can say with certainty is that America's medical establishment has beclowned itself for all time. Its official positions on vaccines, psychiatric drugs, puberty blockers, reassignment surgeries, a long list of other politically fashionable priorities, they have no connection whatsoever to legitimate science. So what is it? Tucker says it's all effectively witchcraft. We had Dr. Judy Mikovits on this show several days ago. Most listened to show in TNN's four-year being alive, being operational. Number one listened to show. Why is that? Well, she's one of the foremost experts in virology and infectious diseases, even though she was busted because she wouldn't give up a research paper to Dr. Anthony Fauci so he could let a friend of his publish it as his own and it came with millions of dollars worth of patent rights. He hated her for not giving it up so much that he sent SWAT teams, dragged her out of her home in the middle of the night, put her in jail. She stayed in jail, never charged with anything. And they just blackmailed her and said, if you want to get released, here's the deal. You can't talk to any about this for five years. If you do, we'll come back and it'll be far worse than you ever thought it could be. After that quote-unquote gag order expired, the first place she came back in June of 2020 was to TNN Live. You can catch that show if you just back look back at our, at our uh, podcast on places like Apple Podcast. Do a search. Just put in the name, Dr. Judy Mikovits, M-I-K-O-V-I-T-S. June of 2020, she told us exactly what Fauci was going to have the government do in treating COVID-19. She talked about social distancing, lockdowns, mask, or rush to get vaccines, making everybody, trying to force everybody to be vaccinated. All of that, before any of it happened. 
And it happened just like she said it was going to happen. Tucker said today's medicine, what they're telling us in large part, is effectively witchcraft. Third highest cause of death, MD. Medical doctors misdiagnose and treatment of patients. Kennedy's got, by the way, some good polling numbers due to his willingness to combat the medical establishment and ask some real questions. <laughs> we're going to take our, we're a break behind in the show this morning, and it's because I bought, I've been pontificating. I'm just so hacked off about what's happening in my nation. This is my nation. This is we the people's nations. It's not Congress's nation. It's not the president's nation. It's we the people's nation. You and I are we the people. And they're taking our nation from us. They may already have, and we are just now awakening and realize we the people no longer own it. But I'm going to tell you what, this is a big giant that is awakening and it's getting angrier and angrier as more and more comes out that proves people that are elected are dishonest, they're abusing the rights of the American people and they're doing so with impunity and they don't care what you or I think. Hunter Biden, unless this judge changes his mind the end of July, you know that judge is not going to change his mind. When this all came up, don't you think somebody went to him and said, when this case, when Hunter Biden comes before you the end of July to finish this up, don't you dare change the outcome of what's agreed to, what President Joe Biden wants for his baby boy. Don't think that hadn't already happened. You can book it. Multiple felonies, not paying $2.2 million in taxes, not reporting $8 million of personal income. He just forgot about it for four years. If you did that, if I did that, you would be in jail for years, as would I. Hunter Biden, all he gets is a, Attaboy, pat on the back from his daddy and all of the Democrat Party fascists that tell us, you're killing democracy. You're destroying democracy. What are we living in? Democracy as it was designed and implemented and propagated here for 240 years, you guys have erased it. We're living and at best, a fascist nation with a group, a small group of people that own and operate the whole country, and at worst, in a totalitarianism country where the people have no rights at all. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. 
Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's Biggie Bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? And this. Yes. And what about this? Yes. Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back to business as usual. It's Friday at TNN Live. We're getting it all done. Hey, we've got some good friends down in the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas, Southwest Texas. There is some big news happening down there. All of that southern border, illegal aliens crossing by the thousands into the United States illegally, that's still going on. I bet you thought it wasn't because nobody in the national media is talking about it. But it is happening. I'm going to get to it in just a minute. There's some big new stuff that nobody seems to know about, or if they know about it, nobody's talking about it. But it is critical, and it should prompt some changes by our president. <laughs> you think this president's going to change anything? He's not even going to put the the barriers back up. Has no desire to do that. Why? Because the Democrat Party is falling apart. It's failing, has been for years. And they came to a consensus, did the Democrat Party fascist. The only way to seize and take total control of the nation and implement our fascism across the nation is to flood our country with people that would forever be indebted to us for letting them come to the greatest nation on earth. Many of them would not qualify for citizenship, and so what we'll do, we'll just let them in. And, of course, we'll give them housing and food and clothing and education-free and health care for them and their families. We'll do all that. And then when we get power, we will give them citizenship, which comes with the right to vote. They will know in perpetuity, they'll be obligated to the Democrat Party of Fascism, and they'll vote for us every time. I told you I wasn't going to get into that southern border stuff now, 
but I did it. There's more. There's more. We're going to do that in a second. Did you see anything about our president yesterday? He hosted the prime minister of India, Modi. Prime Minister Modi. I guess I'm saying it right, M-O-D-I. And there is a practice whenever a sitting U.S. president brings a foreign leader to the White House and they have a press briefing at the end of their meeting, typically what happens is specific reporters are called on before the meeting. They know they're to ask a question. There's usually three questions by three different reporters that ask the president, our president, questions, and then another three that ask the visiting um, president or king or whoever's here. But Biden yesterday, he put it down to two total questions. So, he pulled out a list, and his list couldn't remember the name, so they wrote them both down on a list, a piece of paper. And he pulled it out of his pocket when it was time to have these questions asked. And here's what he said. Quote, I'm told there are two questioners. And with that, it was time to get out of Dodge with Biden beating a hasty retreat. He didn't call on those two reporters. He didn't call on anybody. And so as he quickly walked out of the room with Prime Minister Modi, this was heard across the room. Mr. President, what's your response to Republicans who say your son got special treatment? Do we have a two-tiered system of justice, Mr. President? And if you listen to that press briefing, you can hear a reporter screaming that from the back of the room. Biden ran from reporters shouting questions about new whistleblower evidence that revealed Biden weaponized his DOJ to cover up his criminal bribery scheme with Hunter. Boy, the tweet barrage began. Run, Grandpa, run. Biden gets asked about bombshell text and IRS whistleblower claims. New York Post columnist Miranda Devine, who's, by the way, she's the one that broke the Hunter Biden laptop story. She shared details of the breaking news uncovered by the House Ways and Means Committee. You heard that at the top of our show today. Calling it a game changer, which all but assures the agenda-driven media are going to ignore the story. Totally. We're not going to hear very much at all if we hear anything from any of the Legacy, that's what they call themselves, media outlets. Now, U.S. Special Prosecutor Durham, John Durham, he recently came out with his big report about the origins of the Russia collusion story. So he revealed a lot of things, a whole bunch of things. And in the wake of that, he was before Congress a couple of days this week. In the wake of all that in this testimony, we have concluded the DOJ rules, they need to be changed. Changed so that FBI agents lose their jobs when they lie to misuse the government's spying powers in very sensitive investigations. 
Now, that's not Dan Newman suggesting that. That was suggested in congressional hearings by special counsel John Durham. He released that report on his review of the handling of the 2016 Trump-Russia investigation and acknowledged that he found conduct that was wrong or probably criminal but would have been difficult to prosecute in a courtroom. The real difficulty, in my view, he said, is trying to figure out how to hold people accountable for their conduct. It's not a simple problem to solve, he said, testifying to the House Judiciary Committee two days ago. His reboard talked about extensive misconduct, including repeated use of false, debunked, and unverified information, dismissing all exculpatory information, failure to interview key witnesses, all pushing forward an investigation of supposed collusion between Russia and the presidential campaign of Mr. Trump. This misconduct by the FBI, among other ills, resulted in illegal surveillance of Trump campaign aide Carter Page. There were identified, documented, significant failures of a highly sensitive, unique investigation that was undertaken by the FBI. This is Durham. I think the investigation clearly shows that decisions that were made were made in one direction. If there was something that was inconsistent with the notion that Trump was involved in a well-coordinated conspiracy with the Russians, that information was largely discarded or ignored. And he said, I think, unfortunately, that's what the facts bear out. Yet, as both Republicans and Democrats on the committee pointed out, Durham didn't pursue charges against the main actors in this Russian investigation. And by the way, it was named Crossfire Hurricane. And when he was asked about that point, Durham said simply he was following the DOJ guidelines that say a prosecutor should only bring charges if he's confident he could prove them beyond reasonable doubt, secure a conviction on trial, and have it upheld on appeal. Durham said there's conduct that was probably criminal, but you couldn't prove it. And that's true here. It appears in other instances as well. So, Republican Representative Cliff Bentz from Oregon, he drilled down on that. You may have found, and it sounds like you did, troubling violations of law and policy, which perhaps would not lead to, and did not, of course, to convictions. But it doesn't make it any less wrong when we have our law enforcement agencies engage in this kind of conduct, and I think that's why you called it troubling. Do I have that right? You have that right, Durham said. There's obviously things going wrong we can't convict people for. Congressman Bentz continued, or at least it doesn't rise to the level that will warrant that approach. What should we be doing? That's when Durham suggested new accountability rules for investigations categorized as special investigative matters, like those involving a political campaign and maybe a sitting president and his son. I'm saying all that. I wanted you to hear about that from uh, special counsel John Durham because I want to make a point. Through this entire thing, the landscape 
of the Biden family syndicate doing everything they did, probably way back in the Obama administration, certainly after the Obama administration, and even in the four years of Trump in the White House, the Biden family syndicate amassed millions of dollars of wealth. However, it came from various sources, whoever got it, and pretty much everybody in the Biden family syndicate got something, including the big guy. Putting all of that on a landscape, just look at an empty wall and just paint a landscape, a time-lapse landscape up there. Look at all of the individual little bitty facts that keep coming across and coming out every day. Put that all in the context of wrongdoing. There's no way we'll ever undo that process. You and I both know that. So what do we do? How do we handle it? There's only one way to handle it. Where does it come from? It comes from the Department of Justice. That's a lot of people. I think they have about 100,000 people that work in the various parts of the Department of Justice. Because remember, it's not just the FBI. Every investigative agency in the government is part of the Department of Justice. So it all adds up. So how do you stop this stuff from happening? How do you stop any man, even the son of a sitting president, how do you stop that process from this guy cutting a deal with adversarial people in nations that are adversaries of the United States of America to surreptitiously and illegally create financial opportunities that add up to millions of dollars. How do you stop that? When those in the DOJ are either in on it or complicit, know about it, and are unwilling to prosecute the wrongdoers in it. How do you stop that? There's only one way to stop it. Stamp it out. We need to totally dismantle every part of the Department of Justice, starting at the very top. Every one of those people. You look back at the investigation of the Russia collusion and all of the details about the people that We're in the FBI principally, but there were others from the Department of Justice, other parts. Get rid of them. Shell them. I mean, on day one, walk in tomorrow morning and say, you're done. Well, Monday morning and say, we've packed up your office. You can pick your stuff up at the front door tomorrow. If we don't do that, if we don't sweep the floor, we are going to continue to have these things happen over and over and over. And I can't even imagine that it could remotely be possible, but they'll get worse and worse and worse. We'll start seeing people killed, people just assassinated for the name or for the cause of something they come up with. But there will always be excuses. And the very rich, the fascist people in this government that control yes or no's are going to get richer and richer. From Krakow to Grand Island, Milan to Hanoi, this is TNN.
the Truth News Network. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. You know, I'm about sick of this. you got to follow the science stuff. We're told that. You bring up COVID-19, you bring up any part of it, vaccines, going back to school, lockdowns, all of that kind of, going back to work. Nobody wants to go back to work. Oh, man, they loved working remotely. (laughs) What does that mean? There's nobody supervising you, nobody telling you what to do. I'm not interested in a job. I'm 69 years old. I'm doing what I love doing. I've been down that road. So I'm not out there looking for a job. I probably get 10 inquiries a day, maybe more than that. Hey, Dan, would you be interested in this remote job that pays 1500 whatever? It's some number a week. And you can work from home. People have been immersed in an environment where work, hard work, consistent work, smart work is no longer a mainstay of the United States of America. Those things that made us number one on earth. Now our economy is falling to pieces. Our government is feckless and our leaders are compromised at best and are syndicate offenders, offenders of committing felonies, that's all changed in just the last few years. Now, we don't know when it began. Certainly, during the Obama administration, there were some surreptitious things going on, you know, illegal things, suspect of a lot of different things going on. But we've changed We've changed, and people are changing still, like I never thought would happen. This gender thing is blowing my mind. 
I cannot believe it. We published a story yesterday. If you haven't read it, you need to go back and read it. I didn't write it. It was written by a prominent writer for Real Clear Investigations. But the title of this story he wrote that we published yesterday, by the way, it's the most read story at Truth News Network in six months. The title is Queering Jesus, How It's Going Mainstream at Progressive Churches and Top Divinity Schools. Let me just read you four little paragraphs at the top of this show. A Presbyterian church goes viral online for making the transgender day of visibility with a public prayer to the God of pronouns. The congregants of the church, First Presbyterian Church of Iowa City, Iowa, pay obeisance to the God of trans being, giving due glory to the great they slash them. The second one. The United Methodist Church boasts the first drag queen in the world to become a certified candidate for ordination. This traveling minister who describes drag ministry as a divine duty is lauded by a Florida pastor as an angel in heels after appearing in that church in a sequined dress to deliver a children's sermon and denounce the privilege of whiteness and cisness. The third one, at Duke University's Methodist-affiliated Divinity School, pastors in training and future religious leaders conduct a pride worship service in which they glorify the great queer one, fluid and ever-becoming one. The service leads off with a prayer honoring God as a queerness incarnate. You are drag queen and trans man and gender fluid, incapable of limiting your vast expression of beauty. And finally, the Presbyterian News Service offers online educational series such as Queering the Bible and Queering the Prophets during Pride Month. A commentary in the former refers to Jesus as this eccentric ass, A-S-S, this eccentric ask freak who challenged first century gender norms. And that's just the beginning of it. Go read it. Read it sometime today or over the weekend. Title, Queering Jesus, How It's Going Mainstream at Progressive Churches and Top Divinity Schools. And you can get that story and all our stories at www.truthnewsnet.org. And again, this gender thing is really getting out of hands. Former NCAA swimmer Riley Gaines, she made it clear this week how she feels about U.S. women's national team players Megan Rapinoe and Alex Morgan defending the inclusion of transgender athletes in women's sports. It's disingenuous, and it's virtue signaling. They want to be seen as kind. They want to be seen as inclusive, but they know in their hearts, every single person knows they wouldn't have had the opportunities and the success they had without the women's sport and category. Gaines told Fox News yesterday, now they've achieved what they've achieved. 
They've accomplished what they wanted to accomplish, so they don't care. They would rather give girls up, give away our opportunities to be seen as kind and inclusive, when in reality, this isn't inclusive, it's exclusive. The soccer powerhouses have both expressed support for including transgender athletes in women's sports. In April, Rapino was one of 40 professional Olympic and Paralympic athletes to co-sign a letter to House lawmakers in opposition to the Protection of Girls and Women in Sports Act. Last June, in honor of the anniversary of Title IX, if you don't remember what it was back in the 70s, it was what came out of Congress, signed by the president, became law that forced any school that is a public school or participates in public events like athletics must give equal everything to women as they do men. And it was lauded as the best thing that has happened in U.S. history to break down the barrier, giving women, biological women, by the way, the opportunity to achieve on an equal footing. Not that they would be equal in competition with men, but would have the exact same opportunities as men do. That's gone. The trans social acts that are happening now have done away with that. Women, biological women, no longer have rights that they were guaranteed under the Title IX. And by the way, that is still the rule, the law of the land. But these trans sports activists are blowing that away, and they don't care that they're diminishing and hurting women. Riley Gaines said, I would also encourage everyone out there who's afraid of someone going to have an unfair advantage over their kid to really take a step back and think, what are we actually talking about here? We're talking about people's lives. I'm sorry, your kid's high school volleyball team just isn't that important. It's more important than any one kid's life. That's not Riley talking. That's Megan Rapino. And she said that in Time Magazine. Mornigan expressed her support for transgender kids playing sports with the gender they identify with instead of their biological sex. Before the She Believes Cup earlier this year, she revealed she and her teammates are not going to shy away from hard conversations or taking a stand for what's right. Her comments came after Becky Saubron wrote an op-ed in support of trans kids in sports. Playing in Florida and Texas, that's something that the team definitely needs to look at, she said, of bills in state's legislature that restrict transgender girls from playing against biological girls. The inclusion of trans kids in sports is the inclusion of kids in sports. Everyone should have the ability to play sport. And the fact that it's being taken into politics so big is really sad. And I think it's at the cost of trans kids' lives. It's really sad. I feel like 
what Becky said was great. And for this team, we've always been very vocal with where we stand. And I think we'll continue to do that. Both of these, I can't even say women. I'm being offensive if I say women. Both of these people, Morgan and Rapino, are going to join the roster of 23 athletes that are set to represent you and me, the United States, at the 2023 Women's World Cup next month. Morgan is 33. Rapino is 37. They will each make their fourth World Cup appearance. Riley Gaines, meanwhile, she's been a staunch defender of women's sports. She made her comments against the soccer stars a day after she delivered a very emotional opening statement to start the Senate hearing on protecting pride, defending the civil rights of LGBTQ plus Americans. Riley opened her testimony by recalling how she and transgender female Leah Thomas, you remember her, she competed for the University of Pennsylvania. They tied for fifth place in the 200-yard NCAA freestyle championship and how she and her team watched Thomas win the 500-yard freestyle the day before. So Gaines is a former Kentucky star, a 12-time All-American. She said the NCAA opted to give Thomas the trophy and the photo op. They tied in the race. She then got emotional when talking about being forced to share a locker room with Thomas. Actually, the rationale behind the arrangement, I walked out of the locker room and I asked one of the officials on the pool deck. I said, what are the guidelines that allowed this man into our locker room? And so nonchalantly, he said back, oh, well, well, actually, got a, we got around this by making locker rooms unisex. So I'm thinking to myself in these moments of him saying this, first and foremost, he just admitted, this is a man by acknowledging how he had to change the rules to allow him into our locker rooms, and secondly, unisex, so any man could have walked into that locker room, any coach, any official, any parent, any pervert who wanted to walk into the locker room would have had full access to it. And bare minimum, we weren't even told this was the arrangement, that that is what they were doing. That is how they were trying to normalize the situation and make us feel guilty when we felt uncomfortable. She warned that what she experienced is becoming more widespread across the nation as parents, coaches, and players are struggling to find a voice, any voice, theirs or anyone else, to defend biological female athletes, to believe it's a non-issue, or to believe it's only happening in a certain area could not be further from the truth, Riley Gaines said. It's plaguing our country. It's bigger than just the fairness piece. It's about the freedom of speech piece. That's why it seems as I've been this lone voice fighting for this until recently when some amazing girls have stood by my side. But I'm the megaphone for so many who are terrified. Now, I've already given you the fix for every bit of this. There's one fix that could be easily taken. The NCAA is flooded with money. Oh, my gosh. They have hundreds of millions of dollars at their access. 
what they need to do for all competition at every level that they control. That would begin down in middle schools and high schools and certainly colleges. What they need to do is create male, female, and transgender, three different divisions of competition for every sport. Every sport that you can name that they're competing in right now today. Everything. Basketball. Soccer. What else? Swimming. It just goes on and on and on. And go back to the old days where you had men's and women's, but then a transgender division and let any transgender person that wants to compete in that. Now, what's wrong with that? Why wouldn't it work? Well, I can tell you this. We would hear immediately the screams of, it's not fair. It's not fair. Why is that? One of the prime reasons these people that are biological males are declaring themselves as female, identifying as female, is because they can't compete with other males. And they look at look at the women, look at that competition, and they know darn well they can win some of those. That's what it's about. Yesterday, Congressman Dan Crenshaw, in a congressional hearing, he went in and started questioning, trying to come up with some answers to explain this stuff. Thank you to my colleague, and uh, I do have a few questions. You know, I, I want to say a few things first. We keep hearing this was this is a politicized uh, issue. This is a manufactured culture war. I got to say, we aren't the ones who did that. We aren't the ones that came up with this radical new movement that is performing permanent physiological changes to children with no evidence of any benefits. We, we didn't start that. We're just trying to stop it because it's crazy. It's a contentious issue, which almost 70% of Americans oppose. So we are just saying here that taxpayer money shouldn't be used for it. That's all. This should not be that controversial of an issue. Um, Questions are for Dr. McNamara. I I just want to ask you, honestly, you're not concerned about the unknown effects of puberty blockers, hormones, and and surgical interventions in kids, the long-term effects. Not concerned about that. Everything I've said here today comes from a place of deep honesty and conviction for the care that I provide and the community that I'm a part of. You've said that we've cherry-picked data. How do you mean by what, How do you mean that? So it is very unscientific and flawed to pick a single study or a single statistic and to discuss it in isolation. Um, totally agree. Medical experts are able to talk about all of the evidence as a whole. Totally agree. So. It's good to look at systematic reviews, right? That's the gold standard of evidence when you're trying to understand whether something works or whether it doesn't. So the British Journal of Medicine looked at 61 systematic reviews with the conclusion that, quote, there is great uncertainty about the effects of puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and surgeries in young people. The Journal of Endocrine Society came up with the same conclusion, even the American Academy of Pediatrics. They all cite the lack of evidence. And so here's the thing. If you're doing a therapy, and it's, you know, temporary, whatever, it, fine. Maybe let's try it. Let's see if it works. But when you're talking about permanent physiological changes 
Do you not agree, just from an ethical standpoint, that you might want extremely strong evidence of the benefits? And there is no systematic review that, that states that there is strong evidence of benefits. Sir, are you aware of how the quality evidence grading system works and how it's applied? Yeah. Yeah, we've read through it. That's why I'm citing these journals. So which journal says something different? I'm, I'm, we should have that debate. Tell me a journal that has done systematic reviews that cites different evidence, that cites strong evidence for benefits of these therapies. The standards of care were developed based on extensive... You're not telling me any journal. You're not telling me any study. Don't That's say standards of I'm, care. Yeah. So... Um, Tell me one. The standards of care. That's the, the standards of care. That's, yes, that's, standards that's of not care. a journal. That's not a study. That's not an organization. That's not an institution. You're just saying words. Name one study. Not one study. Not one study credits any of this transgenderizing of our young people as being even legitimate. I just can't believe we live in the United States of America. And this kind of stuff is happening. And even when it gets to Congress, these people come testify. You heard that woman, she couldn't even answer. She couldn't come up with one. Now, wait a minute. These are the same people that preach to all of us. If you were skeptical about any of the COVID-19 stuff when it was going on, Oh, they got in your face every day. You got to follow the science. You got to listen to the science. Follow the science. The climate activists. You got to follow the science. When we start talking about the hundreds of scientists who totally debunk the climate activist claims, oh, they get in your face. We've got other scientists. For every one you've got, we've got. And here, this woman can't come up with one study, one scientific observation even, that credits even the possibility, let alone discuss the problems that go along with all of this gender-changing stuff that is being promoted. And it wasn't only in that particular part of Congress, across the hallway, in the Senate, it was going on as well. This hearing continued, and now let's take someone on the other side of this debate. This is Kelly Robinson, uh, who identifies as the first queer black president of the human rights campaign, and here she is defending dudes in girls' sports. Women you don't some that believe are that a biological male has a physical advantage in sports over a biological female? Not as a, a definitive statement. Give me an example. Well, no, I, I don't think. How, how, how many female members of the NBA do you see? Well, I can say that, you know, there's been this news article about men that think that they could beat Serena Williams in tennis, right? That they think that they could actually score a point on her. Um, and it's just not the case. She uh, is stronger James, than that. What's your experience, Ben? Male, female. Both Serena and Venus lost to the 203rd ranked male tennis player, which they're phenoms for women. Um, my experience, my husband, he swam at University of Kentucky as well. In terms of accolades and in terms of national ranking, I was a much better swimmer than him. Um, he could kick my butt any day of the week without trying. Okay, so here you have the black queer head of the human rights campaign saying that Serena Williams could beat men 
in women's uh, beat men in tennis, right? Just if you put a woman against a man in tennis. It took us about 10 seconds to find this video, which we've shown you before. Here's Serena Williams on females versus males in tennis. Well, actually, it's funny because Andy Murray, he oh, he was been joking about um, myself and him playing a match. And I'm like, Andy, seriously, like, are you kidding me? Because for me, tennis and men's tennis and women's tennis are completely almost two separate sports. So I'm like, if I were to play Andy Murray, I would lose 6-0, 6-0 in five to six minutes, maybe 10 minutes. Because it's not, no, it's true. It's honestly, true. It's a completely... Really? It's a completely different sport. The men are a lot faster, and me and um, they they get they serve harder, they hit harder. It's just a different game. And I love to play women's tennis, and I I only want to play girls because I don't want to be embarrassed. I would not do the tour. I wouldn't do Billie Jean any justice. So Andy, stop it. Yeah. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna let you kill me. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you when it comes to tennis. I only want to play girls. Yeah. <laughs> we got that. Go Oh, that's a good line, Letterman. I miss him. Um, look, there you have arguably the greatest female tennis player saying it's not even a, the same sport. Men are stronger. They serve faster. They hit the, sh the the ball harder. Like, it's obvious. Everyone knows it. And people always go, when is this thing going to end, right? Like, what is rock bottom with this thing? And I'm telling you, there will be a rock bottom. And my guess is it's going to be something like this. There is going to be a 37 or 38-year-old washed up, because 37, 38, you're washed up if you're an NBA player, male basketball player. I'm talking somebody who's probably 6'8", 280, scoring two points a game, never particularly good, but, you know, size-wise could just make it to the NBA. He's going to retire, and he is going to suddenly give himself the name Angela, and he is going to score 35 points a game, grab 12 rebounds and eight assists a game in the WNBA. And they will crown the WNBA MVP a guy named Angela. That is how this thing will eventually implode. But you, you see how insane it is. The woman and the women, I should say. So on one hand, Riley, on the other hand, Serena. The women that have to face off against men, they know reality. But the activists, the activists want to rejigger everything the way they want it to be uh, organized. And that really is the problem here. What do we say all the time? Just because you think something's right doesn't make it right. And the flip side's true, too. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't make it wrong. Truth lives in a vacuum. There's no room in truth for anything that is not truth. You can't manipulate it. You can't change it. Oh, you can come out and pontificate about your thoughts and ideas. You know, truth is not truth, and here's why. You're welcome to do all that, but when you find the truth, it doesn't matter how much you argue with it, it's still the same. It's the truth. And if you want to start finding things that are different, give the people facts that verify your thought, your opinion. Why aren't people doing that? Why hadn't that happened? I think maybe, just maybe, it's because they're not right. The truth says something different. And oh my gosh, how dare somebody take up that something different perspective. That would mean 
they're going at us with facts. You can't do that. It's not fair. We want to self-identify as something we're not biologically, and you've got to let us do it. This is the United States of America. We have the right to do anything we want to. No, you don't. And we're very, we're perilously close to having to take that position because these hardcore addicts to this gender change stuff, they're becoming militant. They are giving kids puberty blockers and even sex operations very quietly in hospitals across the nation. And the latest numbers, the latest numbers that have come out, and they're not professionally accumulated numbers, but of those that do cross from one biological sex to another or try to, less than 10% of them feel after they've been over there for more than five years, less than 10% of them are happy and think they made the right choice. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids have bought me a busted machine again. That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Page died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Page is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Page. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Anita. What them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Here are the smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now.
Well, there's some big news out in the news world. Guess what? CNN, it's announced, it's alleged that they are up for sale. And we are told that former CNN CEO Jeff Zucker is likely to make a bid to buy CNN. Growing speculation that Warner Brothers may sell CNN this coming year. Sources told the New York Post Jeff Zucker is likely to make a bid to buy it. He allegedly holds a grudge, wants to find a way to be back on top. What the heck is he talking about? (laughs) CNN's never been up on top, at least not in the last 20 years. If you remember, he was ousted. He was canned from the network more than a year ago. He resigned from the network in February of 2022 because it was revealed he had an inappropriate relationship with one of his subordinates, a woman named Allison Golust, the network's chief marketing officer. Jeff is likely going to make a bid this fall to buy CNN, a source with knowledge told that to the New York Post. Zucker sees an opportunity to take the helm of CNN ahead of the 2024 presidential election. This month, CNN CEO Chris Light was fired from his post after he tried to steer CNN toward a more centrist position. An industry insider told the Post that Light's firing is a sign that Warner Brothers is readying the cable news network to go on the auction block. So if Zucker bought CNN and ran it again, That would be his ultimate revenge after he was fired from the network. Bankers estimate CNN would sell for between five and six billion dollars. B billion, billion, billion dollars. Five to six billion dollars. How the heck do you do you find that kind of money to buy CNN? Five to six billion dollars. They say that's what it's going to be. They're not even factoring in that it's bringing in half a billion dollars less profit last year than the year before. So where's Zucker been? Right now he's the chief executive of Redbird IMI, which is a venture capital firm that has about a billion bucks in capital but is willing to put in billions more to fund the right deal. I could see a sale next year. They see CNN as a non-core asset. Once Warner Brothers reduces its leverage, it'll be more willing to sell non-core assets, including CNN, one industry insider said. However, other folks are less certain Warner's going to sell. I talked to bankers in the last six months. Warner Brothers is not selling. Nothing is going to happen in the short term. New York Post said one possible scenario involves a merger between Comcast and Paramount, who had reportedly been in talks to merge a couple of years ago. Here's what the Post said. If that merger happens sooner or later, Comcast would likely be forced to get rid of CBS News because of antitrust violations. Warner Brother, in turn, might then swoop in and combine CNN with CBS, seeking to reap efficiencies between the two networks under its umbrella. 
A source close to the company said it remains dedicated to CNN. All the speculation is Jeff Zucker putting himself in the news cycle again, one source said. A big company would need to find synergies and savings. How would you like to wake up tomorrow morning and know that you owned a company that went in the hole half a billion dollars last year when you paid somewhere between five and six billion dollars to buy it? I know, I know, it's only zeros. <laughs> but it's too many, too many zeros on the negative side. I've been an entrepreneur. I've owned a business, several businesses, and I can tell you, it ain't fun losing money. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. When you have to pull money out of your pocket to pay for a company that's supposed to be putting money back in your pocket, that ain't a fun thing to deal with or to live with. If Warner, I can see them trying to sell CNN. But if Zucker puts a group together, and he doesn't have that much money himself, he'd have to go get it from a venture capitalist, like the company he's working in now. If anybody's out there that wants to back him for that, I'll just tell you right now, you're stupid. He's already proven he can't put a network together that can really make money. He just can't do it. Why would you think he could do it now? He's never done it before. Well, 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 Lauren Berbert, you got to remember Lauren Boebert. She's the one that filed that impeachment action in Congress this week against Joe Biden. That push to impeach the president was placed on the back burner yesterday. But even some Republican insiders are afraid the damage might have already been done. Boebert is one of the fieriest among the Republican firebrands in Congress. She surprised many of her colleagues when she introduced an impeachment resolution earlier this week. We told you about it. We knew it was coming. The move caused disarray in the House in the Republican conference, they didn't have it coordinated. They really didn't think she would do it. And when she did it, the furor was only diffused with a deal to send the resolution for consideration by committees. That's where the House Speaker takes a motion that one lawmaker has put on the table, and they unilaterally, in this case it would be Congressman Kevin McCarthy, who is Speaker of the House, sends that bill that's proposed to the various committees. This move, going to committees, passed in a 219 to 208 vote Thursday. It places no obligation on the committees to even do anything to advance her impeachment proposal. But she's insistent that, if it becomes clear the gamut is solely about delay, she'll bring up her resolution every day for the rest of my time in Congress, she said. Meanwhile, more moderate Republicans in Lauren Boebert is anything but a moderate. They're wincing at what they consider an unforced political error that will give Democrats ammunition to attack the Republican Party as extreme and out of touch. 
Like they would never do anything like that, right? Republican strategist Dan Judy described the move as frankly stupid, adding the party needs to be focused on the problems facing Americans rather than this sideshow. Most polls show American voters' main concerns of the economy and inflation, as well as a host of other matters barely related to the effort to impeach the president. But that doesn't mean there will be an end to impeachment efforts, given that Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican representative from Georgia, has her own efforts to impeach not only Biden, but Attorney General Merrick Garland, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, FBI Director Chris Wray, and Matthew Graves, a U.S. District Attorney for the District of Columbia. And let me just say that. Everybody that wants to see Merrick Garland, Alejandro Mayorkas, Christopher Wray, and Matthew Graves impeached, raise your hands. Oh my gosh, everybody's in the room. Has got their hand up in the air. Will it happen? <laughs> I'm sad to say it probably is not going to happen. But if you don't try, you never get something done. Hey, listen, we're going on the road. TNN Live next week will be over on the Atlantic Ocean. But we're not going to miss a day. We are taking the show with us as we always do. So make sure you join us. We're on top of it all. You guys in the interim, you have a great weekend. Don't forget, truthnewsnet.org, our story up there from yesterday. It's a killer. You need to read it. And also, tomorrow, our bullet points. We'll do a wrap-up of the top stories of the week. We do that every Saturday. And we will see you Monday from Georgia on the water. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on. Off from my city, off from my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh, I can't take my eyes off it. Moving so phenomenally. Come on, lock the way we rock it. So don't stop.
I can't stop the... 